0: Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, a biopharmaceutical business that is pushing the boundaries of science to deliver new cancer medicines. More information at AstraZeneca-US.com. Welcome to Yale Cancer Answers with Drs. Anish Chagpar and Stephen Gore. I'm Bruce Barber. Yale Cancer Answers features the latest information on cancer care by welcoming oncologists and specialists who are on the forefront of the battle to fight cancer. This week, it's a conversation about liver cancer with Dr. Mario Stratzabosko. Dr. Stratzabosko is a professor of oncology and gastroenterology at Yale School of Medicine. And Dr. Gore is a professor of internal medicine and hematology at Yale and director of hematologic malignancies at Smilo Cancer Hospital.
1: It's great to have you back on the show. I uh, I was feeling like we did an interview with you just a few weeks ago, but it turns out it's been over a year.
2: Yes, indeed. Wow. So <laughs> um,
1: the first thing I'd like to talk about, uh, and I, I think we've probably touched base uh, before about this. Uh, is Just to clear, for, clear up for our listeners, you often hear, oh, my mother had breast cancer, but then she died of liver cancer, or my father had colon cancer, but he died of liver cancer. And that's not really correct
2: for the most part. Is that right? Well, we are talking here about primary liver cancer. Uh, you are uh, referring to examples of uh, what is uh, called metastatic liver cancer or secondary liver cancer. Right. In this case, uh, the liver is actually pretty healthy. Right. Uh,
1: so it's really not liver cancer, it's really the it's, other it's, cancer it's, which it's is, is s- spread.
2: Yeah, it's spread, uh, metastatic spread of other uh, liver cancer. Of course, the liver is in, uh, uh, it's filtering all the venous blood, uh, Right, so those places, so it's very easy for the cancer cells to settle there. Right, right. But
1: that's not what you study,
2: right? No, no. What we study and treat is actually primary liver cancer, so cancer that uh, originates in the liver. I see. So, what kind of patients get that? Well, there are two two kind of cancer that originates in the liver. One more um, frequent than the other. The less frequent is called the cholangiocarcinoma, and that's a cancer that can happen in um, any patient. There are a few risk factors, but it's rare. Uh, The other, which keeps us quite busy, I have to say, is is the so called hepatocellular carcinoma, or also called hepatoma, or HCC. Okay. Um, This is a cancer that um, actually has several risk factors. Um, the most frequent one is chronic liver disease. So it's, it's a cancer that we find in, in patients that have some sort of advanced liver disease. That's in the um, most frequent case. Most of the time, these patients have viral hepatitis, mm-hmm. um, hepatitis B, hepatitis C, or they have um, a history of uh, drinking, Mm -hmm. Alcohol. Alcohol, or they have uh, some um, genetic diseases of the liver that anyway brings to chronic liver disease and cirrhosis. And this is um, something which is becoming epidemiologically more and more important. They are obese or they are diabetics. Uh, And most of the time, uh, it is important to recognize that uh, there are a combination of factors. It's not only one factor. A patient may be infected by hepatitis B or C virus, but in addition to that, uh, he doesn't know it, and so he lives uh, a regular life, uh, drinking during the weekend, uh, or uh, smoking, and, um, Mm. and he's obese. He's overweight. Uh, Sounds like most of America, right? Well, this is one thing that America do, which is good. We drink a lot of coffee, (laughs) and coffee apparently is good for the liver. Oh, well, then I'm in good shape. (laughs) And I don't smoke, right? (laughs) (laughs) Now,
1: aren't uh, viral hepatitis diseases treatable nowadays?
2: Yeah. Uh, one, one, One important message that I would like to deliver is that most liver diseases are preventable and treatable mm-hmm. uh, specifically your question is about viral hepatitis and yes there are two major uh virus uh, that can cause chronic liver disease one is hepatitis virus b and this can be suppressed we have very effective uh pills that can uh, keep the uh, virus at bay but doesn't cure it The virus is there. Mm. It cured the disease because the patient gets uh, a dramatic improvement, actually, under this treatment. Uh, It cured the disease, uh, doesn't really uh, reduce the risk of cancer if you treat the patient when he is already cirrhotic. If you treat the patient before cirrhosis, the risk of cancer is reduced. But you know, hepatitis B is an oncogenic cancer, so it integrates, it is an oncogenic virus, integrates in the genome. You mean it causes cancer per se? Yeah, it causes cancer per se. And so there are populations in which you can get uh, the virus very early in life uh, in which you can actually have uh, um, liver cancer in the absence of uh, a uh, um, relevant liver disease. Mm. And what about hepatitis C? So hepatitis C, it's it's, a causing even cancer through other mechanisms, mostly inflammation, regeneration, uh, and uh, the the, the, uh, liver try to repair. And, you know, on a history of 30 years, uh, there are several mutations that accumulate slowly and so on. So hepatitis C now is curable. There are very effective drugs that can be uh, administered to the patient, short-term treatment now. I uh, see
1: a lot of commercials where the people look very happy and they're sending balloons in the sky.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah.
1: So that's <laughs> Well, that's good, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, let's let let's, let's talk about it. Um so you can uh, it's extremely effective and also um collateral effects are really uh so negligible. You mean side effects? Yeah, the side effects. I mean, I remember the times in which we were given interferon. Terrible. That's
1: a terrible drug. It was drug. a terrible
2: drug and uh, initially cured uh, uh, 20% of the patients. And they felt uh, like they had the flu all the time. Exactly. And then slowly, slowly, slowly. But this, these this drugs are clearly a, a, a magic um, treatment revolution. However, um, some disappointments. Um, uh, the fact that uh, the risk of developing uh, liver cancer if you are treated uh, when you are cirrhotic is not zeroed. It's not. No, it's decreased, but it's still present mm-hmm. and sizable. Uh, we see many uh, um, hepatocellular carcinomas in patients that have been successfully treated uh, with uh, these new drugs. That doesn't mean that the drug favors the cancer, mm-hmm. but simply that either the treatment was too late mm-hmm. or that we're simply taking care of one of the risk factors. But not the other. Most of the time, these patients are also diabetics, so or they may be obese or they may be drinking. And, uh, you know, we fool ourselves thinking, okay, the virus is gone, the patient will not have cancer, whereas we need to realize that we need to treat... Uh, the patient is in entirety, I mean, the whole the whole spectrum of uh, um, risk factor needs to be addressed mm. by by the treating physician. So you know, I mean, we need, we need them to have a uh, good control of diabetes. We need to have to reduce their uh, metabolic syndrome uh, risk factors. So you know, uh, which are the same uh, cardiac disease. Right. Interestingly. Um, What does cirrhosis mean? Cirrhosis means that the liver, um, after a long uh, fight uh, against uh, an offending agent, uh, uh, try to contain it, uh, but by doing that, it it shows the the scar of the battle, And so the liver, rather than uh, remaining um, a sponge, uh, which is um, easily um, perfused, um, it, it, it becomes like a more rocky, oh. um, fibrous tissue, mm-hmm. where, um, in which the perfusion is as effective, but also uh, it needs to have a higher venous pressure, and, and so, so it's, it's usually a combination of uh, cell death cell regeneration and fibrosis. Now, do, does everyone who has cirrhosis know that they have cirrhosis? Unfortunately not. Hmm. Um, cirrhosis may remain um, clinically silent uh, for many, many years. Hmm. In fact, we, we distinguish, we are pathologists, distinguish Compensated liver cirrhosis uh, and, and decompensated liver cirrhosis. Uh-huh. Decompensated is when uh, um, some of the complications may show up, you know, like ascites, uh, yellow discoloration of the skin, uh, encephalopathy. Confusion. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Confusion, kidney failure. Oh, these are uh, really sick people. Yes, and and um, um, hematemesis, so vomiting blood, these are these are very sick people that need immediate transplantation if possible. Okay, Um, but most of the interest now is actually in. what to do before that stage, because mm-hmm. when you reach that stage, again, uh, you either have a liver transplant or we can do a lot for you, but your, your, your survival is, is limited. I see. So, you know,
1: I, I know many uh, good primary care physicians are screening, uh, especially the baby boomers seem to be at high risk for uh, hepatitis C um you'll have to tell me why but uh you know there are people are being screened and if uh and if it's found i i guess they're getting treated yeah. but um how would they know if they have cirrhosis or not right. do the doctors screen for that
2: no really so uh you have several um in which you may present to your primary care physician why well, one is you are a baby boomer so you live through the 68 <laughs> i see <laughs> and several. You may, might have
1: ingested things, or yeah, you may
2: have avoided several of the promiscuous risk factors I of see. the of the sixties uh-huh. and so on. Uh, and then that didn't a, happen in Italy. Uh, oh, n- no. <laughs> And, and and of course, uh, um, in the U.S., the guidelines is actually to screen for hepatitis uh, viruses this this uh, population of patients. Then, uh, if you turn out to be positive, uh, surely your ma- your doctor will at least uh, run a set of liver lab and an an ultrasound. Mm-hmm. A well done ultrasound should already give you several information on whether or not your liver is. <laughs> Um, already cirrhotic or not? Hmm. Uh, you can then be referred to a uh, hepatology center. They'll use uh, elastography. Elastography. What is that? Uh, the elastography is a, is a machine that looks like an ultrasound, but it's sort of give a flick on your on your on your liver yeah. and measure how hard it is. Yeah that sounds like it hurts. Well, you know, no, it doesn't hurt. But one thing is knocking on a mattress was one thing is knocking on a wood. Okay. <laughs> okay. You 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 hear a different sound. I don't see. You? God. Well, that's true. Okay. So this little machine basically records uh, this this um elastic wavelength. and if your um, elasticity is not enough, it show you resistance, basically, and they're are, there are cut-off. Mm. On those cut-offs, you, you are in the so-called cirrhotic or preserotic phase. Mm.
1: Well, we're going to have to talk about that in a minute, because I yeah. don't want you banging on my liver. But right now, <laughs> right now, and I don't want you asking me what I was doing
0: in the 60s either.
1: <laughs> uh, right now, we're going to take a short break for a medical minute. Please stay tuned to learn more about liver cancer with Dr. Mario Stratobosco.
0: Support for Yale Cancer Answers comes from AstraZeneca, a leader in oncology research with four new FDA-approved medicines in the last three years. Learn more at AstraZeneca-US.com. This is a Medical Minute about colorectal cancer. When detected early, colorectal cancer is easily treated and highly curable, and as a result, it's recommended that men and women over the age of 50 have regular colonoscopies to screen for the disease. Tumor gene analysis has helped improve management of colorectal cancer by identifying the patients most likely to benefit from chemotherapy and newer targeted agents, resulting in more patient-specific treatments. More information is available at YaleCancerCenter.org. You're listening to Connecticut Public Radio.
1: Welcome back to Yale Cancer Answers. This is Dr. Stephen Gore. I'm joined tonight by my guest, Dr. Mario Stratobosco, and we are discussing the surveillance and treatment of liver cancer. Mario, before the break, you were telling me that that uh, in patients who are found to have, uh, say, a hepatitis virus, uh, they'll usually have an ultrasound in this scan which measures the, the firmness or texture of the liver. Um, if somebody has a positive result on this uh, ultrasound test, then what happens?
2: So if, uh, if a patient has um, um, a positive result in the fiber scan or is diagnosed with sus- suspicious um, advanced liver disease or cirrhosis the important thing is to understand that he has to undergo a so-called uh, surveillance for hepatocellular carcinoma so every patient with cirrhosis has a risk uh, of developing hepatocellular carcinoma 5% of uh, our patient with cirrhosis will show up every year with uh, Liver cancer. Five percent per year. Yeah, and so if after ten years, <laughs> it's right. a good size of a patient, and uh, and um, um, we have a lot of uh, possible approaches to cancer that are uh, small. Small cancers. Yeah, small. By small, we we mean uh, less than se- five centimeter in size. Okay, and, well, that's pretty big. Uh, yeah, yeah, and. Uh, Better if they're lesser than two. Okay. So how do we pick them up? By doing an ultrasound uh, every six months.
1: Every six months?
2: Yes, the, because six months is uh, more or less the doubling size of the tumor. I see. So the guidelines uh, internationally, they recommend 6 months ultrasound. Now, there are differences in the way ultrasounds are done throughout the world and so on and so forth. So there are um, some uh, countries that add alpha-fetoprotein,
1: this is a blood test.
2: Yes, that is a biomarker mm-hmm. of a possible uh, hepatocellular carcinoma. The problem is not everybody is uh, positive for that. Actually, a minority of patients.
1: Not all the patients with liver cancer have that.
2: Bar- right. Actually, less than thirty uh, percent. Uh-huh. And you need to monitor uh, mm, the growth of, of of the biomarker during the um, the time. So basically um, alpha uh, ultrasound uh, every 6 months plus alpha fetoprotein determination that has been shown to uh, be effective mm-hmm. there are data that shows and meta analysis that show that um, the patient that are uh, uh, undergoing uh, uh, diligently a surveillance uh, will uh, have increased survival and increase uh, um, chances to have uh, the tumor diagnosed at an early phase.
1: Mm. And what happens then if the tumor is diagnosed early?
2: Right, uh, If uh, what happens is that we have a uh, lot of things to offer. Okay. Okay, which uh, uh, our usual, uh, you know, the way we go through it uh, during the tumor board is uh, we resect if the patient can be resected. Surgery. Yeah, surgical resection, and not all of them can because there is portal hypertension, there are strict criteria that um, are associated with a good survival after uh, resection or with a dismayed prognosis because of decompensation. The patient that cannot be resected, then you start uh, considering whether or not they are transplant candidates
1: for liver transplants? Yes, because
2: uh, hepatoma is the only um, solid tumor that can be transplanted. Wow. But uh, up to certain stage, Okay. So, uh, we can transplant patient, uh, I, I don't want to go into, into the sure. detail, but, but, but the message is uh, early cancer can be transplanted, mm. okay, and then uh, we need to uh, understand uh, how long is the waiting li- time, and sure. so we'll Finding do, the right organ. we'll do what we can uh, in order to keep the tumor at bay uh, while we wait. And this is mostly achieved uh, through interventional radiology. Uh-huh. Approaches. Interventional radiology has been uh, a major factor in the improvement in the prognosis. So what do they do? Oh, there are several ways in which they can address the tumor. If the tumor is still uh, relatively small, they can um, use uh, ablation technologies. Mm-hmm. So they insert a probe and they can... Uh, Use uh, some radio frequency wavelength to, let's say, cook it.
1: They're zapping it.
2: <laughs> yeah, or they use cryoablation. Cold. That's the, cold. Yeah, that's the cold. Freezing uh, it. Exactly. You can
1: cook it. You can freeze it. You
2: can create it. You can use. Um, um, Microwave, uh, like 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 mic my microwave. Uh, <laughs> That's
1: disgusting.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's truly disgusting.
1: <laughs> but, I'll never uh, eat in the microwave
2: again. But it's, it's actually extremely extremely effective. Huh. And uh, if there's not such a. Possibility because of the tumor is too big because of the location of the tumor is close to certain vessels, etc., other organs. Then they can use uh, interarterial um, approaches. So they will go uh, through arteriography. They will reach the hepatic artery and go as much as possible close to the feeding artery okay. of the tumor. Because the interesting thing is this: this tumor are highly vascularized, and. Uh, uh, on the contrary to the uh, normal liver, which is, has a venous vascularization, they actually have an arterial vascularization. Okay. So that can be um, embolized, blocking the feeding of the tumor. It's can wild. be embolized and uh, also treated with high concentration of chemotherapeutic agents. Or you can add some beads that contain a radioactive compound, yttrium-90, Mm. And so you sort of uh, concentrate uh, radioactivity in the tumor. Huh. So these are these are these are um, um, effective uh, uh, approaches. The problem is that they, they don't cure the cirrhosis, mm-hmm. and uh, this cancer unfortunately comes back. I see. So. Um, 60 to 70% of the patient uh, experience a recurrence uh, in, in the 18 months following the first treatment. I see. So what we do actually in our center, we we follow them every three months sure. with imaging and, and we go back again and again. And every time is like the first time we go through the whole possibility of treatment, we see what we can do. And, and by doing that, which is called multimodal um, uh, approaches, <laughs> approaches and, and, and tailoring uh, of, sure. of, of the treatment and, and r- repeating the treatment several times. Mm-hmm. We go on uh, until we can transfer the patient or until, or if the patient is not a transplant candidate, until uh, the liver function, um, um, can sustain the treatment. Now, mm. the novelty, if you want, is that in the last 10 years, and more so more recently, there are uh, targeted molecular approaches that are being um, used. Drugs. Drugs. There are drugs that, that, that like TKA inhibitors, that blocks um, um, intracellular signaling molecules that are important mm-hmm. for that um at least uh, um, three of them are now uh in the market and 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 now also um of course everybody is very interested in uh, understanding what the role will be of immunotherapy
0: mm-hmm.
2: on that um, gotcha. recent trials uh, um show the possibility of Adding immunotherapy after um, the patient has been treated with TK yeah, inhibitor so so it's a, it's a it's a it's a scenario which is uh, changing dramatically, sure. and, uh, and maybe in, in the future we'll we'll try to expand the indication for medical treatment uh, rather than using um, interventional approaches uh, uh, until the end. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's 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 a it's a changing world on that, but it's too early to, to predict. Got it. And uh, in the patients who successfully have a
1: transplant, what are the chances of the cancer coming back? Or
2: yeah, there is unfortunately the chance of the uh, cancer coming back after a transplant, uh, uh, even uh, two years after the transplant. That, mm-hmm. that that's a fascinating <laughs> biological question. But uh, the Um, protocols that we use uh, to identify the patient that um, can be transplanted um, is based on staging, Mm -hmm. but uh, let's say that minimizes uh, the chance of transplant of uh, recurrence. So less than 10% of them will experience a recurrence if you use stringent criteria,
1: if, meaning that the people have earlier, smaller disease, or
2: yeah, right. yeah, and there is of course the tendency to uh, expand, uh, you sure, know, the pool because of course uh, you know now it's like saying you have to have a predicted survival of seventy percent at five year. Mm-hmm but 65% survival uh, with Still a malignant good. disease. Right. It's fantastic it's anyway. Right? Right. right? So there are attempts at, at, at expanding this criteria, but it's like uh, a colleague of mine says, it's like a metro ticket, okay? The fast, uh, faster you go, the more you pay. <laughs> and so it's uh, being this, uh, uh, being uh, liver graft uh, um, and very rare, um, commodity. <laughs> sure, there's not too many livers around. Exactly. So it, it's a, it's imperative to wait uh, um, to, to 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 weigh what is the best indication between oncologic indication or other indication for liver disease. That, that's always the tension. Yeah, uh, the tension and the discussion. And um, but I say we we do a pretty good job uh, with dif- with several iteration and 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 you know.
1: So if, if somebody's found to have early stage earlier stage liver disease and they stop their risk factors. So let's say they've got their hepatitis C treated and they've stopped smoking and if there's alcohol maybe they stop drinking. Can the liver fix itself at that
2: stage? Um there is a um we used to think that cirrhosis is irreversible. Mhm. Um, what we learn with uh, treatment of hepatitis B and C is that that's not completely the case but there is a a, a point in which the cirrhosis does not reverse Mm -hmm. okay it's easier to identify this point uh, clinically so for example we published a paper showing that if you use the new uh, antivirals uh, and the MELD score, MELD, is, is, is a way we um, give a number to how secure the liver patient is, mm-hmm. okay? Is the MELD score is around 20, which is in the middle. The patient can actually clinically revert. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying pathological, pathology. They but get clinically Get much better. Above that, he'll still need to be transplanted. Mm-hmm. Um, the same is true for alcoholic liver disease. Alcoholic liver? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you know, when we have this 6 months rule, so the patient needs to wait six months before being transplanted. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons is, first of all, you have to make sure it's not going to go back and drinking. But uh, the other reason is that uh, it may improve on itself. Oh, I see. So it can significantly improve. And then you don't want to have to do the transplant. But the people that do not improve by three, four months, they'll have... Uh, um, Uh, cirrhosis which is shrinking the liver and there's no way you can regenerate from that. I see. uh, You can't come back from that point. Mm -hmm. So there is the possibility to revert and and certainly if you do have liver cancer um, make sure you uh, address all your risk factors. Mm -hmm. Of course. Because that Anyway, help us. Mm-hmm. because in order to provide you uh, with as many treatments as possible, you have to have a, a good liver function. Also for the new um, medical um, treatments and uh, new agents, uh, you know the, the studies are all, uh, made always in patients with very well conserved the liver function and the tolerability is better. So yeah treat, treat your liver very well.
0: Dr. Mario stratza is a professor of oncology and gastroenterology at Yale School of Medicine. If you have questions, the address is yale.edu, and past editions of the program are available in audio and written form at yalecancercenter.org. I'm Bruce Barber reminding you to tune in each week to learn more about the fight against cancer here on Connecticut Public Radio.